Welcome to Cancel Culture, the business of law podcast brought to you by Byfield. Hello and welcome to Council Culture, the business of law podcast. You may have already realized that I'm not Meg. Um, maybe you'd rather have Meg, but unfortunately she is away this week she's taken a much deserved break so um you stuck with me uh, i'm liam this is my first time on the podcast up to this point um i have been completely behind the scenes uh, i think my most famous contribution is the opening jingle you know that ben so i i made that that's my uh pride and yeah glory um and you edit it this is oh and i edit it i edit it every week yes but uh, i'm stepping into the um the kind of jeremy paxman role i'm asking the questions and i'm ably joined by ben our much more frequent guest good to be here liam and i'm sure the uh the, the service will be seamless that's very kind <laughs> we, shall, we shall see we shall see um so let's jump straight into it then um a few things going on this week um where should we start i think the the, the biggest story perhaps the the ano sherman yeah, I think I think that is the biggest biggest story actually, and it's still absolutely rumbling on, isn't it? Clearly, when yeah. it hit a couple of weeks ago, everybody immediately knew. Well, wow, this is the biggest story in potentially years, and mm. it's going to rumble all across the summer. And already, that is that is proving to be the case. You know, I'm, I've got obviously my computer in front of me, and I'm looking at Law.com, and their most frequent frequently read stories. I think of the top five, it looks like three are. Um, on Ano Shaman and some, you know, analysis, uh, and I think what's really interesting is, you know, the seasoned commentators' view of what the merger may bring if it happens, and actually what it will mean for the market. And I've picked out a couple of bits which I, I, I particularly enjoyed. The first actually was was in the FT. Um, some really good insight by Kate Beely into some of the dialogue actually between the two senior partners, um, Adam Hackey uh, at Shearman, uh, and also uh, Wendy Young at A&O. Wendy Young obviously is quite a, quite a personality and the piece moves on into some quite nice quirky profile of, of, of him. And it's a really, really good read if, if you're interested in how quickly both sides mobilised, which to me still remains really, really impressive mm. how they've done that. Um, you know, they've basically presented a very polished uh, proposal yeah. Uh, to, to the market and obviously internally as well. And it's, it's, it's pretty compelling. The other piece of which I, I particularly enjoyed uh, was by uh, Paul Hawkinson, um, obviously in, in, in law.com a few days ago, where he's basically predicting other firms which may now come into play uh, from the perspective of future transatlantic tie-ups. Some of that speculation has continued all week and I think will probably continue all summer. And it's a good time to be alive, isn't it? Yeah. You know, in, yeah. Our, in, our, in our sector. And yeah. I think all of us want this merger to happen. Mm. Uh, a, because it's just so transformational, but you kind of think, oh, what's going what's to happen next? And Paul, again, makes some very good points about some of the timings. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of our initial reactions when we saw the, the, the initial news with Blimey, that's a bit punchy considering they've not got any votes yet or not even started a voting process. But actually, it's, it, it's really clever because if you present, you know, if you present the merger as something that's been agreed, thought through and, and ready or oven ready, as Boris would say in the pre-Brexit days, then if you're going to go against it as a, a partner on either side, you look very much as a disruptor and an outlier, mm -hmm. whereas before any merger takes place and it's just early stages of discussion, you're not 
Um, and I think Paul makes that point towards the end of his editorial, and I think it's a really, really important one. Yeah. Uh, and when you take a step back and think about the moves that, that both firms have made, it's a really, really good point. Uh, yeah. And I think actually, rather than creating more pressure on the process, they're probably creating more pressure on those that may be wavering mm. a little bit, or maybe not firmly yes or firmly no, but perhaps wavering a bit more towards the no. They know from a reputational perspective, you know, there's, it's it's harder to row back from where this is, as opposed to where I know the the Hogan Lovells Shim and uh, merger discussions were just before they they collapsed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's an interesting perspective um, about it being a particularly potentially um, quite a, a a useful stakeholder management to use a bit of uh, corporate lingo tool in terms of making sure this goes ahead. Do you think there are any risks? I mean, do you, they presumably must be quite confident on both sides. Yeah, I think I think the risks reputationally for both firms particularly, mm. and they'll know this much better than we will, but, you know, they've both had two very high-profile sets of motor discussions which have not happened. Mm. Um, and if you look at the case of A&O with O'Melveny, I mean, that did really, really rumble on for well over a year, I think, before the, the talks failed. And, but both sides, they must be pretty, yeah. pretty confident that it's going to happen, aren't, aren't mm. they? To to have, to have done something quite so polished and quite so 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 punchy. So, I'm pretty sure it will happen mm. because I think the reputational consequences for both sides, if it doesn't, are quite tough. Actually, yeah. quite yeah, tough. Uh, you know, A and O is in, is in a good position, isn't it? Generally, it's well, you know, it's well thought of. It's financially sound and. Seemingly relatively stable. Shearman, as we all know, is a really fantastic firm with a wonderful brand, but I don't think anybody would say it's had a particularly easy time recently. So it needs this to 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 work. Yeah, I think it's um, just thinking about. I suppose we could, if we were, if we were to do some crystal ball gazing, and from from what I've seen, a lot of the focus in, I think everybody feels like this is a potentially a good, you know, a, a good pairing. Um, and in terms of where both firms are, I think we're used to this idea that Sherman maybe has had it a little bit tough, although remains a great firm. And, you know, if you look at any of the, you know, the AMLAW or the Lawyer 50 report, it's still a very good firm yeah. by all, um, by all uh, measures. Um, but I suppose a lot of that, there's an element of, there are certain areas where Sherman is still very, very strong. And even though the focus seems to be a lot on the ANO partnership reaction, there are still, you know, partners in New York for Sherman or wherever who are serious rainmakers and still might not necessarily look at this as a good option for them. Yeah, maybe. But I think what needs to happen is that they it needs to be resolved really quickly. Yeah. They need to yeah. get to vote and get it done. Uh like really, really quickly, because they don't want this hanging hanging not hanging over them, but 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 sort of lurk, lurking as a big sort of cloud over sure. everything that they're trying to do. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the case. I mean, I don't tend to have, inner, you know, knowledge of the inner workings of either firm, but mm. I really think they, they're not going to want to leave it too far, far past September yeah. to have a vote mm. and get it and get it, get it done. I yeah. think that if it goes on any longer, I mean, I think experience tells us as commerce professionals that, you know, what will happen is the initial goodwill, mm. uh, which there's been a lot of, uh, will fade the longer it goes on and the more dissenting voices there are. And there will be some they'll come to the foreground and you want yeah. that process to be as short as possible because all the good stuff that they've had in terms of rationale and people's just visceral reaction, it's a good idea, will fade 
the mm. longer that it goes on and the dissenting voices will come out and they'll know that they'll yeah know that. yeah so they want to get it done yeah Okay, dokie. Well, I'm sure we'll be covering this <laughs> quite regularly oh, over the uh, over the next few months. Yep, I think we're not going to be short with something to talk about. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it promises to be quite the saga. Um, so that's quite a handy segue, I think, into the, the the next story, which is the lawyers' US fifty report, which came out this week via the signal platform yeah i've um, got to be a little bit careful with this one because the um uh, we obviously subscribe to, to signal um and uh it's a really really good report this and um obviously it's an absolutely premium product so i don't think the team there would thank me for giving giving away too much that's in it in terms yeah of the numbers. <laughs> and i'm not going to do that yeah it, uh, but what i what i will say is it just makes really really interesting reading uh for those of you that don't know the lawyer every year that puts out one of its uh, pretty substantial and thorough surveys. Uh, this one is the US 50 Financial Overview 2023. And what that is, is a financial overview of the top 50 US firms in the UK market. And it's basically looking at their performance in the in, in the UK. Uh, it's really good this year because they've done a, they, they've done a, 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 a year on year analysis, sorry, a decades analysis. They're looking at some of the numbers in 2013 and compared them obviously to now and the difference is incredible um, i don't want to pick out sort of specific firms but you've got firms that are you know multi many multiples of of, of, of millions of, of of dollar revenue over where they were um over where they were 10 years ago but actually the overall theme of the report is quite realistic mm. uh, i don't think that the lawyer team won't mind me revealing the headline stat but the total revenue growth um and i'm reading this out US 50 rose just 3.5% last year compared to 19% in 2021. It's not boom and gloom because actually, if you look at the year before, we were uh, we were obviously in the heart of COVID. Mm. Um, I think the numbers were probably relatively similar to, 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 to this year, or sorry, last year or, or flat. But, you know, it was a dip last year mm. for, for, you know, for, for, for sure. Um, and record numbers of firms who experienced flat growth or falls in city, i.e. London, being come um and actually what that does suggest is that you know when you do have flat income across uh, a, a sector you tend to see consolidation mm. so that's quite interesting we might see some more u.s firm mergers mm. and not just transatlantic ones yeah but actually the lawyer have managed to squeeze in a really good piece of analysis on a and o and Sherman in the context of this report as well which is well well worth a read um uh, what is really really start startling and i use this visceral term again is 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 this that the number of firms of substance u.s firms of substance in london is absolutely uh you know substantial here i mean they've got you know there are there are 30 50 firms even who have got a significant presence here um and all the debate about how well u.s firms are doing here but beneath the traditional headline act of kirkland and labor is 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 really telling in this report and it's worth worth the read for that you know the the the, the U, u.s firms are here in a, a big way and they have been for, for for quite some time but i really enjoyed the report or not least because we've got some you know number of clients yeah for it so we've obviously got a vested interest in how they're they're they're, they're doing uh but yeah it's it's behind a paywall and it's a premium product but if you can subscribe and get your hands on it it's well worth the read and i i, I enjoyed going through that very much a couple of days ago yeah, I think your final point there was is really interesting because, like you said, I think the the focus has always been on those really you know obviously 
Labour and, and Kirtland been the, the standouts, the 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 real serious, um, you know, top players. And obviously, I think we're now more aware of the other firms who do well in London. But even if you look further down that graph, there are firms who nobody really talks about in London who are, you know, doing better than domestic firms, than, you know, than, de than, than decent UK outfits. And people don't talk about that, you know? Yeah, it's really, you know, it would be inappropriate for us to compare like for like. Yeah, it would be, of course. We could, we would. Actually. <laughs> yeah. it, would be, yeah. it would be really interesting if you take, you know, firms which everybody knows in the, you know, traditional UK firms. Yeah took their revenue and compared it to a US firm here, you probably have barely, barely heard of yeah, it. Exactly, yeah. it would be startling. And so it's incredible the amount of conversations that we have with, you know, comms people and partners in US firms who express a bit of frustration that their reputation is under the radar compared to actually the heft that they have here. And I think this report is absolutely telling that they're 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 right. Absolutely mm. right. Yeah, you know, for those in the market, there are a lot of US firms here making some good money doing really good work that people don't hear that much about. Yeah, so you think we should talk more about those kind of firms? Maybe we should, <laughs> give them with a profile. Yeah, yeah. So for our next story, um, we wanted to talk about the, obviously it's um, the circumstances are terrible, but what's happening at the moment with the CBI and um, the fallout from um, the, the, the various revelations and um, I know there's an, an interesting piece um, over the last week in the Times by by Robert Miller about the um, appointment of a, a city firm. I think it just says that, doesn't it? City firm uh, to, um, um, to to move forward. I think primarily with the restructuring elements. Um, I haven't seen that many stories where the news bit is the fact that a law firm has been appointed without naming the law firm. What do you think, Ben? It's it's interesting. I, I, I've seen a couple of them. Mm. And you always think, well, it's the Times or the Telegraph. Or yeah. Surely they may be able to find out. Um, I, I, and I think what's what's particularly interesting is with a lot of these kind of, as you say, it's pretty grim, everything that's going on with yeah. the CBI, but there's, there is often a law firm involved. Uh, there's another story which is obviously breaking, and I really loathe to do this, but I'm going to bring Philip Schofield into our, um, into our podcast. But... It, to today, uh, on the day of our recording, some of what's been going on there on the This Morning Sofa has made it into the business pages. Mm. So people are asking questions about what did the ITV leadership know? What did they do about it? Who knew? What's the truth? Etc. And it's become a corporate story. Mm, um, obviously, it's pretty grim as compared in, in the same way that the CBI is. But there will be a law firm hired to investigate I would, have, I, would, I would have thought before too long. And it's yeah. really, really interesting the type of, um, you know, appointments that, that firms get now. So in, in terms of investigations, and it's not just criminal investigations or your classic SFO style fraud or what have you. Uh, Slaughter and May were brought in a few years ago to invest by TSB to investigate what went wrong with its IT migration of, of, of systems, I think about five, five or so years ago. Uh, so I think from a sort of law firm business of law podcast perspective, law firms are, are being brought into situations which are really not your traditional investigations, you know, which are mm. financial fraud and that that kind of thing. I mean, with the CBI, it's, it's Fox Williams, isn't it, who are doing the, the kind of main investigations and yeah. more lurid stuff that we've read, awful though it is. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's particularly interesting. So when things go wrong in, in, in businesses or organisations, 
that law firms are being brought in to investigate and produce reports. Now, the crucial thing is this, and I know this from my own in-house uh, experience, that what people tend to think happens, and this is kind of worth it knowing from a commerce perspective, is that when a law firm is hired by an organisation to do a report, the assumption is that report is pu made public. It's not. It's actually a piece of work that the that the the company or the body has commissioned as a piece of client work, and that report is handed to them, and they're under no obligation to release any details of that report at all. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to the public, but it tends yeah. to leak, so so it does. And that's, mm. a, that's a common misconception. Yeah. Uh, when I actually was at Slaughter Main involved with the uh, aforementioned TSB situation, a number of times I got a call from journalists saying, oh, when are you publishing the report? Well, we're not. It's a piece of, it's a piece of work for the bank. Yeah. It's up to them if they make well, it. Well, it, it was the same with the, um, the, the Labour Party, the, the, the inquiry rather into the, the leaked documents of the Labour Party. And I know there's lots of people on social media saying, you know, um, acting the, the, Q, the, the QC Martin Ford was appointed saying, where's the report, where's the report? But like you said, exactly, it was in the hands of the Labour Party. It was their decision yeah. to, 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 to use it. Um, I think in terms of um, just thinking about, just thinking about the reputation element and obviously um, another big one that's kind of broken over the last few months is is the post office scandal and there's going to be questions about the advisors there how seriously do you think law firms need to and i'm talking from a kind of governance point of view and 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 I don't, you can tell me maybe how the, the decision making processes work but you know say partner a says look i've got this big bit of work here what sort of thought goes into hang on a minute this is too hot to handle and should there be more consideration of that you know if there is going to be an increased scrutiny of advisors rather than, you know, the people involved themselves? Do you know what? It's, it's a good question. And it, 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 it just depends on the firm. And what will happen is there'll be dissenting voices within, within the firm uh, where they will, they will be very different um, agendas. Yeah. And people will be looking at the risk. So some partners could get upset, yeah, you know, yeah, about yeah. their reputation yeah. to be in the same firm as something yeah. they don't. And it all depends on how good your risk advisory setup is hmm. uh, and what your process is and what your decision-making process is and who your stakeholders are. So you have a situation where you probably have your head of compliance, possibly your head of HR, hmm. senior partner, managing partner, and it's how good that decision-making is and how, how, how you come to the right decision. Uh, you know, I've been in discussions, obviously, when, with, with who, where, you know, courses of action over very, very delicate matters about who to represent and who not to have, have, have happened. Uh, particularly when there's been media media pressure. I think it depends on the firm, but it really, really does depend on what that decision-making process is and getting that right. And I think if you have got a good sort of stakeholder mapping exercise and the right people in the room, you've got to trust the process. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, for our final story then, um, we wanted to talk about something which I think is probably going to be more of a trend over the coming months. Um, we haven't quite... I think got into the meat of the implications for law firms, but there's lots of uh, discussions at the moment around rising tensions between the US and China and the possibility of san uh, sanctions. I know there's been a story in uh, the FT and, and, and one in Reuters this week. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on, on this? Yeah, this is really just a, 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 a sort of a plug for our listeners to watch this space because I think we're going to mm. be talking about this quite a bit over the over the summer. Uh, and that's just the geopolitical situation, particularly between the US and China, 
uh, what pressure that is going to put on UK firms, sorry, international firms which have offices in China, which obviously there's quite quite a lot. Um, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from Ukraine and Russia last year. And of course, Russia's economy is, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's tiny. Yeah, well, the, Ch China. the Chinese economy is 19 trillion. Right. It's just, yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. A lot. <laughs> uh, so, you know, firms need to be now thinking about their exposure and their risk, what they're going to do if sanctions are imposed. You know, these are big, big questions and we're not going to necessarily tackle them now because we're running out of time. But I think we certainly will over the next few few weeks. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you as always for joining us, Ben. Um, hope you enjoyed this chat. Not Meg, but um, I think it was. That was good. You did yeah. good. You oh, did thank good. You. Thank well you. Well done. So you've done very well going from <laughs> behind the scenes to in front of the mic. Yeah, well I finally stepped out of the shadow. Yeah. Um, so thank you to our listeners. Uh, please do um, share and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, and you will see us. Probably not me. It'll probably be Meg, but you'll see us next week. Cheers. You've been listening to Council Culture, the Business of Law podcast brought to you by Byfield. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and join us again next week where we'll be discussing some more of the biggest stories in the legal sector.